Our gospel reading this morning is the well-known birth narrative from Matthew. It is on page one of the New Testament in your pew Bibles. As you know, only the gospels of Matthew and Luke tell stories of Jesus' birth. And each gospel writer tells the story in a different way, emphasizing different things. Wide consensus among biblical scholars is that the Gospel of Matthew was written sometime during the end of the first century to an audience of Jewish Christians who, because of their beliefs, were in conflict with the larger Jewish community. Remember that every scene in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke was written from a post-Easter perspective. That is more than 50 years after the death and resurrection of Christ. So the infancy stories reflect the whole Christ event, much like an overture foreshadows or anticipates the themes of a symphony. The theologian Ken Bailey, who spent most of his life studying and teaching in the Mideast, believes that the cutting edge of these birth narratives have been dulled by familiarity and their power diluted by cultural filters. So you are invited to hear with fresh ears the marvelous story of God's radical love in breaking into the world as told in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. 
when Joseph awoke from sleep. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son. And he named him Jesus. The word of the Lord. Once upon a time, long, long ago, when we, took, we did not take pictures with our phones or store them on our laptops, we took holiday photos with cameras and pasted them in book-like photo albums. Surely, you have some cherished Christmas photo albums stuffed away in a closet somewhere, albums that you occasionally take out and thumb through, just to remember Christmas's past. The annual children's Christmas pageant took place during first service this morning. The children, as always, were simply angelic. Surely, photos taken today after that production, in years to come, will evoke fond memories of Christmas 2013, even though they will be stored in computers and posted on Facebook. But, you know, there is another kind of Christmas photo album. That collection of images that we keep in our mind and treasure in our heart. Those vivid memories seen only in our internal eye teem with meaning and evoke a host of emotions. As Christians, we remember Christmas. We smile as we envision bountiful dinners with family and friends, the warmth of singing Christmas carols around the piano, our children's wonder and excitement on Christmas morning. Yet, because we are human, not all the Christmas images in the album of our mind are picture-perfect. Some of the images might even evoke tears. Your first Christmas alone, or that Christmas when money was tight, when you held things together for the kids. And some photos are bittersweet. You remember your mother's last Christmas when she reached over to hold your hand tight and whispered, I love you during the singing of Silent Night at a candlelight service. Still other images make you thankful. That Christmas when caring friends became your substitute family because work, distance, or military duty prevented you from going home. Christmas carols and the Bible's nativity stories also have produced indelible images 
in our mind's Christmas album. We see the baby Jesus in the manger, the magi, the shepherds, Mary singing her majestic song of liberation and justice, and angels praising God to the highest and singing peace on earth, goodwill to all. These images remind us of God's radical love, that God came to earth, born in the humblest circumstances, to show us how to live in community, to show us how to care for each other, and to redeem us from the sins of what was then and remains today a too often self-centered and violent world. The writer of the Gospel of Matthew adds another photo to the Christmas album in our mind, an image of Joseph. Today's Gospel reading brings Joseph, who often fades into the background, into full focus. Joseph comes to center stage in these verses because he gives us our first glimpse of real discipleship by exhibiting compassion and absolute trust in God. Joseph epitomizes the quandary that Matthew's audience faced. How could they live out their lives according to their new faith's rule of love and still follow the law? We face the same issue today. How can we do the faithful thing, the righteous, loving thing, when it is at odds with social conventions and popular expectations. As the story opens, things are not going as Joseph planned. Joseph was placed, through no fault of his own, on the horns of a, a dilemma. The narrative tells us that Joseph and Mary are engaged to be married, but that Mary is pregnant. Since Joseph does not know the cause of her pregnancy, he believes that Mary has been unfaithful. For in those days, engagement was equivalent to marriage, and infidelity counted as adultery. According to the law of Moses, adulterers were to be stoned to death. Now, although by New Testament times this practice was somewhat mitigated, the punishment was still severe and humiliating. According to the law, Joseph did not have the option to forgive and forget. So Joseph, who is described as a righteous man 
by his planned actions, radically redefines what it means to be righteous. Even though he believes he has been wronged, he shows compassion for the young pregnant woman and decides to dismiss her quietly to protect her from public disgrace. Even before he knew that Mary had spiritually conceived and that God was doing a new thing, Joseph chose to act out of care for another person's dignity rather than follow the letter of the law a costly decision that could subject him to public ridicule and isolation, a courageous act. We often find ourselves in Joseph's dilemma, caught in the middle where social convention and self-interest tells us to act in a certain way but that radical rule of love as taught by Christ compels us to do something different. It's so easy to do the popular thing, to say what is socially acceptable and do what is culturally appropriate. As one biblical scholar puts it, however, the central tension in the Gospel of Matthew, as proclaimed by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, you have heard that it has been said. But I say to you, points us in a different direction. It leads us down a path of radical love, a type of love that is exceedingly difficult to practice in real life. Those who participate in the Mission Committee's advocacy efforts know how difficult it is to convince legislators, even if their hearts and minds are in the right place, to muster up the courage to oppose powerful lobbying efforts and vote for majors to end gun violence and the suffering it causes. Or vote to extend unemployment benefits to protect SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. But in order to show compassion, to all those who are suffering and hungry. We urge our lawmakers to have the courage to make those costly, unpopular decisions, to sacrifice political expediency in order to do the right thing, to practice radical love. In our workplace or among our friends, how many of us have the courage to speak up when we see abuse or neglect? 
or even attempt to challenge, much less stop harmful gossip? To what extent are we willing to sacrifice our popularity to practice radical love? The deacons in this church know that it is sometimes difficult in our busy, oversubscribed lives to take time from our work and family obligations to visit the lonely and sick, to provide that helping hand, to lend a listening ear. In spite of how hard it is sometimes, they do it anyway, because they know the joy that results when we actually do put radical love into practice. The writers of Matthew want us to remember Joseph, to add him to the Christmas memories, because Joseph's actions give us a preview of what is to come. A new world order wherein compassion trumps convention and convenience. But the story does not end there, because after Joseph struggles with his situation and decides on a compassionate course of action, God sends an angel to speak to him in a dream. The angel explains Mary's pregnancy, announcing the divine act that has already occurred. The angel assures Joseph that God is at work in a wonderful, but typical of God, unconventional way. Then Joseph is given a set of instructions. He is to take Mary as his wife, name the child Jesus, which means Savior, and by naming him, the child will be adopted through Joseph into the Davidic line. Joseph puts his trust in God and faithfully follows the unusual path that God has laid out for this unassuming carpenter. In doing so, he lays aside his previous understanding of God and embraces the new vision he has been given. Joseph struggles with a real-life problem, and God gives him the answer he needs. And in the process, calls him to action and to an unconventional life of faithful discipleship. This vision of Christmas, as seen through the image of Joseph, assures us that God is indeed with us, that God comes to us when we are faced with major challenges and decisions, but the answer we are given may be accompanied 
by an unexpected call to a life of faithful discipleship. As we thumb through the images of Christmas in our mind and come across that photo of Joseph, the righteous man, we reflect on our own willingness to pursue in large and small ways the dream of a better, kinder, and more compassionate world, a world governed by the rule of radical love. Amen.